Jordan Church family. Thanks for coming out to worship with us today. All you folks online today, thank you for tuning in today as well. Let's stand together and begin our worship. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy.
We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He Technology makes us look really good, right? <laughs> good morning, church. How are we doing? 
We are what, three weeks into January? How's our New Year's resolutions going? Ooh. Statistically, only 25% of the world's population continues their New Year's resolutions after the first two weeks. How depressing and disheartening is that? We start the new year off like it's a new year, it's a new me, the new possibilities. They're unlimited. And already two weeks in, three out of four people have given up. Three out of four people have went back to their old ways, their old habits, their old routines. And 2022, if we're not careful, it's going to be like 2021. And 2021 was a lot like 2020. And the ripple effect going backwards occurs. And why is this? We actually, in our student ministry this year, we started a series. We were going to kick it off brand new. January 2nd was our first Sunday back. Goals. And what makes obvious since New Year and goals and the opportunities and all this energy and excitement. But like many of you, the kids came into 2022 with hurt and heartache and frustration and anger and questions and concerns. And it's like, how can we talk about goals? Victoria and I as a ministry, how can we talk about goals and, and, and kind of have a pep rally mentality? When over the Christmas break, we had some students that were killed in a car accident. We're still in COVID. Can you believe we're still dealing with this crap? Can I say that on stage? I hope so. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm just being real. We still have broken homes. We're struggling with school. Right now, more than 50% of students deal with stress and anxiety. Just over homework alone, (laughs) that's an issue. That's a red flag. So how can we talk about goals and how can we talk about resolutions? And what does this tie in with Jesus and communion? One of the, the greatest pieces of scripture, God says, be still and know that I'm here. And so many times, especially in our society with technology and with social media and with, we got to go, 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 go. To pray and to fast just seems obsolete. It seems like we're taking a step back. But God says, be still and know that I'm here. And the coolest thing about it, we've all heard that. But the pieces before and the pieces after that in scripture, they're in combat. God is saying, I'm going to give you a victory. I'm going to break the shields. I'll break the source. I'll break the spirit of the people who are trying to hurt you because you belong to me. But be still and know that I'm God. I think Jesus did something similar to that with the Last Supper. The disciples, it was just another day, another year. Maybe a lot of frustrations, letdowns. Jesus maybe wasn't stacking up to be the person they that wanted him to be. And here's a, just another Passover. And Jesus says, you guys need to understand. This will be a Passover like no other Passover before or even after. You guys need to be still. And all the chaos. And all the concerns and all the questions and all the frustrations... And know who I am. Fasting. Prayer. I think we think these are things on the the side, the back burner, when I get to it. And God and Jesus both said, no, this is where you need to start. 
So this morning, may we pray and may we take of these emblems and remember amongst the chaos, amongst the wars that we are facing each and every day. God says, be still and know that I'm here because of the sacrifice of my son, the resurrection of my son, the promise of my son. I will never leave you or forsake you. Let us pray. Only Father God, you know what's on our hearts, you know what's in our minds, you know what's in our schedules, you know what's in our lives, you know what we bring in to this room. And God, can we set that aside? And man, it's hard. We got bills, we got deadlines, we have deaths, we have frustrations, we got questions, we got concerns, we got stress, we got anxiety. Can we just be still? Can the Spirit calm us and soothe us and whisper that you have everything under control? Can this bread and this juice be a simple reminder? Man, just a simple reminder. Through all the chaos, through all the commotion, through all the buzz that was in the air about who you were and the person that's in this room, that you command us to be still and to know who you are, to come to you with whatever's bothering us, whatever is holding us back, whatever is crushing us, and to give to you. You don't just recommend, you require, you say, bring this to me, man, give it to me. And I'll take care of it. In these next few minutes, may we be reminded of not just the body that was broken, but the body that you left behind as you ascended to heaven and said, from here, I'll take care of all things. In your name we pray. Amen.
me in the presence of my enemy. It's your body, blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. Sing that with us. There's a table that you prepare for me in the presence of my enemy. It's your body and blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my
a short story, a fable really, that's written about a monk and a merchant. The merchant's name is Antonio, and the story is about him taking his grandson Julio to see St. Peter's uh, Cathedral. And along the way, he's sharing with him stories that he learned from his mentor, a guy named Alessio. And and so as you can tell by the names, it's an Italian story. But on this journey, Antonio, the, the merchant, is sharing stories that he learned from Alessio, the monk, with his grandson. Now, along the way, there are also 12 principles. And if you're interested in the 12 principles, get your phone and be ready. Because they're going to come up on the screen and take pictures because we're going to kind of cruise over more you can look them up online okay but here are the 12 principles that alessio taught antonio that he's now sharing with his grandson number one work hard and god will prosper you number two financial prosperity is often connected to soul prosperity number three a man must do whatever he can to provide for his family number four Trials develop your character, preparing you for increased blessings. Number five, take responsibility for problems that are a result of your own bad decisions. Don't displace the blame. In other words, own your stuff. Number six, see challenges as stepping stones, not obstacles. Number seven, be meek before God, but bold before men. Number eight, Live debt-free and below your means. Number nine, always keep your budget. Number 10, loaning money destroys relationships. Number 11, set aside the first 10% to honor God. And number 12, and this is the one we're going to land on today because it's really important. Understand the power of partnership. You see, in this story, what is de- what develops in this story between Antonio and Alessio, a, a merchant and a monk, is the understanding that both as, as believers are a part of a mission. They are partners in a mission to make a difference in the world. And while Alessio, the monk, is studying and being able to present God's word, Antonio, the merchant, who in the story, the very successful merchant, is able to make money and be able to fund ministry that goes on and so they're both very much important in that overall ministry in fact neither one of them can do what they're called to do with without the other partnership is important and so there's this one moment when alessio uh, tells uh, antonio god has designed a special relationship between businessmen and leaders in the church we as businessmen can provide the provision for the visions of the priest. And he goes on and says, it's time for us to reach up and to make a difference. Partnering with God. Partnering with each other to partner with God. Partnering with each other and God to sow into the kingdom is what we're all made to do. We've all got a role. We've all got a place on this team. We've all got a position that we need to play in this game of making a difference in the world. And when it all comes down to it, what we're trying to fulfill is the Lord's Prayer. That His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our goal. That's our responsibility. And, and great, the greatest partnership that we can have 
is in prayer. It's what we've been talking about on this 21 days of prayer and fasting in these three weeks of study on Sunday as we walk through the book of Ephesians and Paul's prayers. And we need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle zone. Every day we wake up. Now the hardest thing about it, and I've, I've never been to war, I've never been on foreign soil, I've never done that. And so men and women who do that, they can see, they wake up in the morning and a lot of times they can see the battle zone. The, the difficulty for us is we can't. The, the difficulty for us is we wake up and for the most part, things outside our bedroom window look exactly like they did the night before when we went to bed. And so if we're not careful, we forget that we're in the middle of this spiritual war every day of our life. And that it will remain that way until Christ returns. Now, occasionally I'll hear people say things like when when something's going on or, or somebody tells them something about a situation that's going on in our life, something that is obviously a, a battle zone issue, and somebody will say, well, okay, the least I can do is pray for you. No! No! That's the very most you could possibly do is to go before a holy God and pray. And pray as partners. Pray believing that God would make a difference. So as we complete this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we come to the very end. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to the very end of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at three verses at 18, 19, and 20 in Ephesians chapter 6. But I want to remind you that about uh, four weeks ago, the first Sunday of the year, Mark Jones kicked off kind of this whole idea, and we're doing this in conjunction with their church down in Bardstown. And so Mark was here, and he, he preached from Ephesians 6. But he preached those very familiar verses about the armor of God. And he talked about that we need to be ready by arming ourselves for battle. And so these, these, all these weapons are part of that. The, the uh, belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace and the shield of faith and helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit. And, and he shared with us that we need to, we need to arm ourselves with those things and then get ready and what? Stand. You remember that? He said, get ready and stand. And when you've done it all, stand. And when it's all over, stand. And stand firm in place as we're ready for the battle. And so I think it's really interesting that right on the heels of that, right on the heels of that in verse 18 is the final prayer that Paul prays and instructs the people to pray in the book of Ephesians. And it's about his instruction to resist to resist the enemy in prayer. See, here's the thing, is we don't need to defeat the enemy. But know why? He's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. We need to be careful about engaging the enemy. Because sometimes we walk into situations with Satan that we just need to stay away from. So what we need to do is understand that the, the, the part of our warfare is that through prayer, we need to resist the attacks of the enemy. And we need to help others that are a part of God's army 
to do that through prayer. Because the most effective way to stand firm in the battle is through prayer. And not just praying alone, but to stand united. Remember last week we talked about the, the power of being united. And if we all locked arms and how strong that is. And the greatest movements in the Bible that we have recorded, the greatest movements of God, have all started with prayer. Sometimes it's been the prayers of many. Read read Acts chapters 1 and 2 in the beginning of the church. Sometimes it's been one man. Go in the Old Testament, read about Nehemiah wanting to rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. Sometimes sin actually is the catalyst for incredible prayer. Read Psalm 51 as David cried out, Please, O Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. And so this morning, I want us just real quickly to look at these three key verses at the end or toward the end of Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at what verse 18 says. Paul's telling him, he says, All right, now, you've put on all this army. He says, And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people pray also for me that whenever i speak words may be given to me so that i will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains and finally pray that i might declare it fearlessly as i should i i think in those three short verses i want us to pull out five things that we can do to resist the enemy on the way to god's ultimate 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 victory when christ returns first thing is we need to resist the enemy with all kinds of prayers you say what, what are you talking about all kinds of prayers we need to resist the enemy with all kinds of prayers that's what paul says he starts off by saying we need to be praying with all prayer and with supplication and supplication is a big spiritual word for request and so we've talked about that already a little bit in this series how we need to pray, pray prayers of thanksgiving and then we also need to have the big ask that we need to have those prayers of supplication that god receives all kinds of prayers and we need to make our requests known to the lord jesus says you don't have because you don't ask bible talks about in places where god wants to know the desires of your heart and so we need to offer up all kinds of prayers and it's the very same idea it's the very same idea that Paul, and we, we've talked about this too a couple times in Ephesians, is that how many times in Ephesians there is a theme or there is a topic that is very similar to something else he wrote to another one of the churches. Because all the churches were made up of people, so they were all struggling. And had Many of them had some of the same struggles. And so to the church at Philippi, here's what Paul said. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication or petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God says, I want to hear your prayers. And and so if we're going to resist, if we're going to stand clothed in the armor of God, if we're going to resist, God wants to know the things that we're struggling with. He wants to know the things that are going well. He wants to hear our thanks. He wants to hear our needs. He wants to hear the things that we are asking for strength and for help. We're just 
talking to God about everything that's going on. And it's not hard. It, it, it's, it's, it's not hard. It, it's, a, it's a conversation. It's a time alone and quiet where we just are being real, being authentic, not even using big showy words like supplication. Just like, God, I, I'm struggling down here. And here's what I'm struggling with. Here's a, that boss of mine is driving me crazy. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with my kids. That, that person I married, I love them, but it's just not happening today. Or God, I can't believe you got me out of that. Thank you so much. God, just thanks for the, man, thanks for showing up yesterday when I needed you most. And acknowledging all those things in constant conversation. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise or a vocal performance. It's far deeper than that. It's a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Have you ever had someone that like, I don't know, a celebrity, maybe it was when you were a kid, and maybe it's still going on today, but a celebrity, maybe it was a sports figure or a movie star or a singer or I don't know, whatever, that you just, you just really wanted to meet. You would have done anything to be able to meet them and to be able to talk to them and get your picture, do the selfie with them, you know. You'd have done anything. And yet we are told that there is the creator of all heaven and earth that wants to be in communication with us. And that we don't need a special hotline or cell phone. He just says, let's talk. Let's talk on a regular basis. It's amazing the things that move the hand of a sovereign God. God's omniscient. He knows everything. But he already hears and wants to hear our prayers. Not like a genie in the bottle that sometimes God hears our prayers and just sometimes he hears them and just says, not now. Not now. Sometimes I think that's where we struggle the most is, God, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And we have to trust that the almighty, all-knowing, ever-present God sees and knows things and we just trust him. Because there's a lot of times that, that there are questions we can't answer. I can't answer. I had no idea why one person tests positive for COVID and has no symptoms. And another person tests positive and has symptoms but not that sick. And another person gets really sick. And another person dies. I don't know. I trust God. I trust God. And even when I don't see it, I know he's working. So God here is, through Paul, is telling us to launch any and all prayers to him, to talk to him, to pray with all prayers and requests, and that there's nothing too small. There's nothing too small. I, you know, sometimes people will send me a message, say, hey, uh, 
I know you got so much, you know, going on, like my prayer is any better than your prayer, but that's a whole different sermon topic. But people say, and this isn't really that big. It's not that much. I know there's a lot of people, but God wants to hear that prayer too. And we get into that. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's either one way or another, isn't it? Sometimes we get on our pity party and our thing is the worst thing that's going on on planet earth. And other times we want to say, oh, it's just too little. Don't, I don't want to bother God with that. And he wants to hear it all. In fact, Corey Timblum said, any concern too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be made into a burden. You catch that? Any prayer that, that too small to be turned over to God is too small to allow, be allowed space in our world and in our mind. And so just give it up. And so we resist the enemy with all kinds of prayers. If you're following along in scripture, you might make notes of all the different times here. Paul says all or every kind or always. Okay. Cause the second thing he tells us is to resist the enemy by praying at all times. Not, not just all kinds of prayers, but all times. Some translations say literally all times. Some say, uh, and some think that means pray always. It's misinterpreted. Pray always like, like, I've got to do other things. I, I can't always like, no, it's take the opportunity. Seize the moment. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. Pray at every opportunity. It's the same idea, which you find as once again, Paul writing to the Thessalonican church. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, pray without ceasing. And it, it, it's actually a Greek word. It's actually a Greek word that's translated without ceasing, without ceasing, that was used kind of a, like to refer to like a hacking cough or a repeated military assault. Someone a hacking cough doesn't cough every second. Now, if you've, if you've got it or if you've had it, it feels like it's every second, but it's not literally every second. It's just kind of constant and doesn't go away, but it's not literally every second. And, and in the case of the military assaults, the army makes an assault and then regroups. Now, sometimes it feels like an onslaught, especially if it's coming against you or going against the enemy. It feels like a constant onslaught, but there's a surge and there's a regroup and regather and then surge again. In the same way, we need to pray often and repeatedly until we get the answer. For that which we've been praying. Sometimes the answer is not going to be what we want. But we need to get an answer. And Paul doesn't invite us into some kind of, I don't know, haphazard. Maybe that's the right word. Or a nonsensical prayer life when he says at all times. He doesn't mean that we're kind of walking around muttering, you know, just kind of like that little guy shuffling his feet and just muttering all the time. No, no. But he calls us into something special. The way this plays out is often going to tell us how we're going to react to difficult situations. How we're going to move and, and react when, when things aren't going the way we would like for them to go. It's going to cause us when we're tempted to hold the temptation up before God and ask for his help. God, this is going on, and I, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep treading water. 
I am being tempted here, God. I, I need some help. I, I need some rescue. It, it, it means that when we experience something good and beautiful and wonderful, that we immediately thank God for it. Then we don't just think, oh man, look what I did. Look what I did. Oh no, wait a minute. God did that. That we immediately know that God's been at work. It, it's when we see evil around us. And there is plenty of evil around us. When we see evil around us, that we pray that God will make it right. And, and, and that we'll be willing to be used by Him to help make things right. It's, it's when we see someone who doesn't know Christ. How does that make you feel? When, and especially, especially when you've been a Christ follower for decades. Especially when you've been a Christ follower so long that you can't remember not being a Christ follower. How does it make you feel when you come into an interaction with someone who either by by what you're observing or by then just saying I'm not? How does how do you feel about them? And how do you feel for them? Do you pray to God that he would draw that person to himself and that he would use you as an instrument in that operation? Or would you rather ignore that and go back to your holy huddle? That's that's serious stuff that we've got to be cognizant of in a world that desperately needs Jesus. When we encounter trouble, do we turn to God as our defender? The, the value, William McGill said, the value of persistent prayer is not that God will hear us, but that we will finally hear God. Sometimes we don't think God's hearing us. Most of the time, we're not listening for the response. Or we're not getting the response that we want from the genie in the bottle kind of prayer we throw up. See, I get to come back. We are in a spiritual battle at all times. When an army is deep in battle, it's critically important that they stay in touch with the command center. When soldiers find themselves in the most trouble, it's when they get separated and have no form of communication. And they're really in a single survival mode. In our spiritual warfare, we need to take every opportunity to stay in touch with our commander. Stay connected as we participate in this. Let's move on. The third thing he says. He says, pray all kinds of prayers. Resist the enemy by praying all kinds of prayers. To do that at all times. And then he says, to do it in the power of the Spirit. To do it in the power of the Spirit. Remember last week in his prayer for spiritual growth in chapter 3? Remember verse 16 said, I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his 
Spirit. That we talked about having the power of the Spirit. Jesus' half-brother Jude wrote one of the small letters at the end of the New Testament. And in Jude chapter 1, on the only chapter, in verse 20 it says, Build each other up in faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, listen, that's not referring to some kind of emotional form of praying in tongues or unknown things and something mysterious and, and emotional that way. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about power. He's talking about trusting the power of the Holy Spirit to intercede, to take things to the throne room of God, and that God will hear our prayers through the Holy Spirit. It's a total dependence on the Spirit and its power. Now, that requires humility. Requires repentance. And so as we pray and as we continue always in prayer, we need to constantly be coming clean with God. Things that, you know, we don't need to come clean a second time because once we've come clean, he's washed it away, okay? But there's things that happen in the daily life, things we say, things we think, things we see, things we participate in that happen on Saturday. And we need to come clean on Sunday. And whatever happens today that's outside that you know is not right in the smack dab center of the will of God, we need to come clean with, with God on that. That takes humility. It takes repentance. It, it, it also requires an, an openness to the revelation of God's will that we get from his word. That we spend time in and we get to know it and that we're armed with that. Paul just told them to arm themselves with the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and he said you, you got to know what god believes and we know that by what jesus taught and by now what is recorded even on some of the early scrolls and he said we've got now we've got the ability that it's printed and you can get in different translations you can choose what color you, you know, but get it and get in it and get to know him because in his word we find these things we find God's moral will for our lives. First Thessalonians 4 tells us God's will is that you would be holy. That's what God wants for us to live holy lives. That's his moral will. How do we get through today? Live holy lives. His eternal will is that it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan, and this is the plan, that at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. It's coming. And so we live under a moral will looking forward to an eternal will that's going to last. And it also requires us to being open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I, that's, I'm trying to be a lot more alert to that. I, I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more alert to that. I, I'm, I'm realizing the older I get that there are times that I'm sitting by myself downstairs in the office working on something. And somebody comes to my mind. Or I'm driving down the interstate and somebody comes to my mind. And I'm starting to understand more and more that when it's out of nowhere like that, 99 times out of 100, that's God saying, pray. Right now, pray. Right now, pray. There's something going on right now, pray. And, and so right now, if I think of one of you all or one of my friends somewhere else, I'm just praying right then, 
right right then when I'm driving or sitting or whatever because I'm trusting more and more often that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit and as soon as I get an opportunity if I'm driving and safe I'm going to send you a text and I'm praying right now don't know what's going on I'm praying right now praying right now for a situation and we need to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit because we can resist the enemy by praying all these kinds of prayers we can resist by praying at all times we we have to resist in the power of the spirit and, and we need to resist the enemy by staying paul says here alert staying alert to the battle just kind of being ready being ready you know there's just you just got to be ready you know, if you're in athletics, almost every sport has kind of a ready position where where you're kind of like, kind of like ready, not standing straight up or not with your head, to, but you're just kind of like ready. And, and as Christians, we've got to have these, this spiritual alertness that tells us we're ready. That word alert, I looked it up. It means to be diligently, uh, vigilantly uh, attentive, it means to be watchful. Mentally responsive and perceptive, quick, brisk, or lively in action. You know, I try to be alert. I, I'm that guy, I'll just be honest. I, I'm that guy that when I'm in a restaurant, I'm going to do everything with my power to sit with my back to the wall. I just kind of got there. I want to see what's, I want to see what's coming. And the only exception to that is if I'm out having breakfast with Mike or lunch with somebody else that's law enforcement. If I, okay, if the other guy I'm with is like, okay, I'll trust him to be alert. I'll put my, but other than that, I want to be alert. I, I want to kind of know what's going on. And to be able to see that and spiritually, we can do the same thing. Because if you realize you're in a battle, you'll be foolish not to stay alert. And Scripture is full of all these imageries of how important it is to be alert. In the Old Testament, remember the story of Gideon? Remember God's putting together this army for Gideon? And he actually, he's not putting it together. He's taking it apart. He's parroting it down. And he gets to the time and says, tell the ones that are left, go down to the river and drink water. And he said, you watch him. And the ones that lay their sword down and, and get down on all fours and start lapping water like a dog, they need to go on home. And the ones that you need to keep are the ones that keep a hand of the sword and reach down and, and, and cup the water and drink because they're alert to the enemy. Do you remember Jesus asking Peter and James and John on the night that he's going to be betrayed? He says, stay here and pray and what? And be alert. And when he comes back and finds him asleep, he gets upset because they're not alert. They're not thinking about things. Peter's reference uh, in his letter is that there is, we need to be alert because what? There's a lion roaming, seeking whom he might devour. And here Paul says to the Ephesians, you've got to be, you've got to be alert in this spiritual battle, this spiritual warfare that we are in. You can't just ignore it. And people in our world today, people in our world today are ignoring so many warnings and not being alert. Unless the weatherman calls for snow. I love this meme that I saw a lot of people put out this week. I love it. You know, the weatherman forecasts a storm and everybody gets prepared and gets ready. The preacher says, Jesus is coming and nobody moves. There's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in a world that's not doing anything today to stay alert. And the final thing he says, 
praying all kinds of prayers and pray at all times, praying the power of the Spirit, pray by staying alert. And he says, and pray for those. It's really at the end of verse 18 and 19. Pray for those that are in the battle with you. Paul says to pray for all the Lord's people. Is how he says it. You know, some translations uh, use the word, early translations, King James, and some that are, try to take the word very literally, use the word saints. But because that has been, that whole idea of saints now in our culture has been misconstrued into there's some kind of special people. Now the more literal translations, they just use the word all Lord's people, all God's people. I, I had, I had uh, an Aunt Ezel. From Pike County, and my Aunt Ezel's with Jesus now. But I remember when we'd go, she'd just sit there, and she had the softest voice. You, you just you had to strain to listen. And one thing she says, "I just love all my people." That's what she called us, her people. I just love all my people, and I can hear that. I can hear that. It's Paul saying, "Pray for all God's people." See, when you're a battle, you're you're not alone. You're not in isolation. We need to be saying like in military and and law enforcement, I got your six. I got your back. When things are bad, know that you're not alone. I'm watching out for you. I've got your back. And then Paul's final prayer, not just for all people. He says, pray for all Lord's people. And then he's just honest. If you read verse 19, can can you read verse 19 and feel Paul's vulnerability there? Just saying, pray for me. Just, just pray for me. And, and look what he prays. He doesn't pray. He doesn't ask them to pray that God would take him out of the battle. What's he pray for? He prays for boldness. He prays for boldness as, as a pastor, as a leader. And, and, and I would echo that today. I I can just get real for a minute. I can unashamedly ask you to pray for me, but not just for me, for every pastor on our staff, for every elder on our staff. Would you pray for every pastor in the world? Because while we're getting slammed with stuff right now, man, some of our brothers and sisters that are leading the charge in other countries, we can't even imagine. I, I can't imagine what Yusuf goes through every time he stands up to preach in Pakistan. I can't. I can only come close to imagining because I know the battles right now here. And they're real and they're hard. And the last two years have made them even harder. And a lot of the predictions are coming true about pastors leading churches coming out of the pandemic. The Barnard Research Group that does so much of the research in the Christian world, it said this, recently they revealed an article, said that this was a quote, during and after the pandemic, one-third of practicing Christians have disengaged from their congregation, just sort of stopped showing up. Now understand, he's not talking about people there that are that are homebound because of illness or that that have to be extremely careful during the pandemic. There's just people that just quit, just stopped, just kind of left. 
And, and, and they're not at home right now watching. We've got a lot. There were a lot of people online before I got up here. We got a lot that are still engaged. But there's a lot that just quit. And you don't think that's hurting church leaders and pastors. And they went on saying in that article, due to losing one third of their flock, more than 4,000 churches in America closed in 2020. And at the same time, over 20,000 pastors left the ministry and 50% of the current pastors say they would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. So there's a lot of pastors today that are praying Ephesians six nineteen. Pray for me. Pray for me to be bold. Because in this spiritual battle that we're in, we need monks as well as we need merchants. We need partnership in the war. We need people that are on the front lines fighting the battle. We need people that are doing triage and taking care of the wounded. We need people that are running communication systems. We need people that are doing advanced planning. We need all sorts of soldiers in the battle. And so we need to pray for each other and pray for the ones that are leading the charge, not just in this church, but in every church. And so here's the bottom line for today. The bottom line is this. Lord, would you give me the right words to say and the courage to say them? In a moment, the band's going to lead us to that song again. And as we sing that song, that I, I want that to be our prayer. Lord, give me the right words to say and the courage to say them. Because it's really good news and sharing it should be the most natural thing in the world. I want to share with you as we close this morning something that Mark Jones sent me this week that he found that somebody had posted on Facebook about persistent faith and about persistent prayer. And and even when you feel like you're getting beat up and it seems like you're surrounded, they said, here's what you need to pray. The, the, The person wrote, I know, I know you've already asked God a million times. I see those eyes rolling. But today, ask him a million and one. Yes, ask him again. Ask him again for that child to come home, that marriage to be healed, that mountain to be moved. Ask him again for that friendship to be mended, that end of the tunnel light to appear. Ask him again for the one who needs rescue, the one who needs healing, the one who needs new direction, the one who needs new guidance, the one who needs new focus. Yes, even if that one is you, ask him again for what you need, for what you want. For joy in the middle of your sorrow, for help in the middle of your struggle, for a sip of living water in the heat of the battle. Ask him again. Said, ask him again to provide springs of water in your land. And while you're at it, give thanks for that land. No matter how dry it is now, knowing he's given it to you with good purpose. Ask him again to dig up the soil and plant the seeds. Ask him again to pour out his peace and that passes all understanding. Because frankly, you could use a hefty dose of it right about now. So ask him again. Not because you think he heard you the first million times, but because you're realizing the longer you live, that persistence is a pretty strong faith builder. Not to mention how it how close it keeps you to him for whom all things are possible nothing's too hard so yes ask him again
Ask him again with fresh eyes and a renewed spirit and a passionate resolve that he can and that he will if it is his will. And if it's not, that you'll keep on asking, that you'll keep on asking, that you'll keep on believing, that you'll keep on seeking because persistent faith is where it is at. So today, bow low, look up and ask him again. Amen. Amen. Because when it looks like you're surrounded, just believe. That there's more around you that you can't see than what the enemy presents that you can. So keep on standing. Keep on standing. And if you need help, ask for help. Would you guys stand with me right now? If you need help, Bobby and Bradley and some of our staff will be over at the decision room. You can just make your way over there while we sing or after. But while we sing, would you just pray? Lord, give me the right words to say and the courage to say coming hard stand just keep standing prayer can't just be something we talk about it has to be something we do and today back on the table by the sign up wall back there there are three different types of prayer ministries you can stop and sign up for you can sign up to be a prayer warrior and those are the people uh, that pray during each and every service that's going on back in our prayer room you can sign up to be on the prayer patrol which are a team of people that while we're in here worshiping they've been marching around the the facility and the building and praying over every ministry that's going on you can sign up to be part of our unceasing prayer team and and our time each month is the fourth uh, monday and actually we're trying to fill the fourth monday tuesday and Wednesday and so there's sheets back there you can check on your time if you're already on the team you got an email from me earlier this week check your email uh, and there's actually a, a list of things you can be praying for back there as well uh, we also need people today to, to sign up to help us take communion to those that are homebound for whatever reason that might desire it. and uh, Terry McDaniel leads that team and you can sign up back there and he'll contact you we've got some times that we're going to get together for fun and just to have a good time 
coming up in February around Valentine's Day. There's the daddy-daughter dance. And if you have a little girl in your life and you've never gone to that, don't let that go by another year because whether it's your daughter, your granddaughter, your niece, just to be able to pour in a godly man pouring into the life of a little girl and having fun. And it doesn't matter if you can dance or not. We'll do the hokey pokey and you can figure that one out, okay? It's just a good, good time that little girls will remember for their lifetime. And then the very next night, there's a couple's dinner uh, that our Marriage Matters ministry is, is heading up. You can sign up for that back there at the table as well. Don't forget Financial Peace is coming and you do need to sign up for that early if you're going to participate. There's a table out in the lobby. And lastly, if this is your first time you've ever been here, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, and we've got a special gift for you uh, out in the lobby at the I'm New Wall. Stop there on your way out. And so, guys, let's just do this. Let's stand firm. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series about family. We're going to tie it in with the Super Bowl and with the Olympics. It's a just a three-week series called Gold Medal Families from the book of Philippians. And so we encourage you to be here for that. Until then, let's love God and love people. Let's go change the world. We'll see you guys.